All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Joe Lavelle. Joe, we've been a fan of this organization for a long, long time. Excited that we finally got him in studio. Looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a great morning, Todd. All right, let's get to it. Say hello to our guest. His name is David Sides. He's the president and CEO of Streamline Health, which is a public company on NASDAQ. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. It's great to have you. Thanks for carving out some very valuable time to join us. Uh, Looking forward to sharing the studio with you. Uh, Before we get into our conversation around all the interesting things that Streamline's doing, do take a few quick seconds and inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Thank you, Todd. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm David Sides, President and CEO of Streamline Health. I've been in healthcare IT for about 25 years at a variety of organizations, starting with Cerner Corporation, a large organization that started there in the 90s growing uh, the EMR market and then expanding into the physician market. And over time, got the opportunity to live abroad and grow our business outside the U.S. and Europe. All right. So, David, we're going to spend the episode talking about Streamline in depth, but lead us off by a quick 10,000-foot definition of what you are, how you serve your market. Streamline Health is mainly an analytics company. We look at the entire system of healthcare and think about how can we improve the business and financial operational analytic for our clients as they move from a volume-based business to a value-based purchasing organization. So as healthcare looks for better quality at a lower cost, then we give them the tools to be able to do those analysis and find out how can they best serve their population and improve the healthcare of that group. David, a growing topic on our show is clinical analytics. Tell our audience just in, in layman's terms what that is and how you implement it. Clinical analytics would be looking at the outcome of care from electronic medical record, taking that electronic information and looking for new patterns or new discoveries in that care. So how can we do things with that person that are more intelligent or look for insights or things that you might have missed if you're siloed through healthcare? So maybe you're in the physician office, then you're in the emergency room, you're taking this kind of drug. If you don't see all that as a whole, you might miss some interaction or something that's happening around the broader healthcare of that person. So we take that information, we look for new knowledge and discovery, And that's the analytic part that we do. To me, that's one of the most exciting things in healthcare is the idea of taking all this data and doing finally something really meaningful with it and which can change the entire direction of our healthcare and our healthcare policy. But I worry about that lone physician that's sitting there in his practice and he's like, I don't, I don't want to think the big picture. I'm focusing on this patient on my table right now. How's the market adapting to this? Are they seeing the, the amazing potential of what this can do and how it changes the patient's care? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the single physician with a single patient, we all want that interaction, that trusted relationship and that that focus on our healthcare at that time. How we try to interact with that physician is to give them data that they might not know of otherwise or alerts that say, you know, you didn't know that they're in the ER or that they're on this medication or they had this event that happened in the hospital this time ago. Here, let's tell you relevant at that time and be able to impact the care going forward. One of the ways that we think about clinical analytics differently is that we don't try to guess the answer ahead of time. So we'll take any data that clients can give us. We don't have a specific data model in our analytics. We'll take any data and then we start drawing relationships amongst that data rather than trying to presuppose what the data is going to tell us. I think that's one of the things that's innovative about our approach is that we're not trying to guess what it is because we don't know. 
and the people don't know, and each person is different in the combinations and the combinatorial explosion of data that exist, it'd be very difficult to have the same way that things will be, or knowledge will be discovered each time. David, how is it that this market is changing for providers now that they have EHRs and we've had all the infrastructure brought on by all the regulatory changes? What's happening at the providers and then how are you helping them make that change? So I think one of the main things with the Affordable Care Act is trying to expand access and at the same time reduce cost. So from a provider perspective, I think they've become much more serious about reducing cost. And so they're looking at ways of how can I become more efficient from a business perspective? So our business analytics, or how can I drive to better outcomes because I want to be part of an ACO or I have more value-based purchasing? So how do I get the analytics to know, for example, if I do antibiotics before the surgery, I have a better outcome and therefore the entire cost of the stay is cheaper. If I do this specific implant for a knee surgery, do I have a 20% lower readmission rate? Because now you're not being paid for readmissions. That's on your dime. If I call people afterwards and get them to follow up with their medications, are my readmission rates lower? We're trying to give them all that data and, and be able to find very granular ways that they can make small improvements that add up to big savings for both the healthcare system and the health system and the population and citizens at large. Well, we talked about business analytics. You just touched on business analytics a bit. Uh, we start off with clinical analytics. Uh, you provide a variety of IT solutions. Uh, talk about some of the other things that you're doing. Some of the other things we're doing, we believe once you have this level of analytics, one of the first ways that people touch the health system is through the patient engagement. So how do you schedule people to be sure that they show up for appointments, engage with them, give them access to be able to make appointments themselves, remind them if there's an appointment, and really engage the patient with the healthcare system. That's one of our solutions. Analytics, clinical, and business we mentioned. And then another is the health management department. So the clinical coding, the medical record, the electronic record, as far as the entire record where we may aggregate across many different providers, whether it's Epic, Cerner, et cetera. But we'll pull all that data together and form the legal medical record for them and then use that same data to run analytics and other things on top of. Is your target a customer, your ideal customer, a large health system, a medium-sized health system, a single hospital? For us so far, we've mainly been in the medium to large healthcare system because they'll have the heterogeneity of, of systems where they need our kind of solutions to sit on top. You know, you never find someone who's one system. And our solutions really layer on top of, you know, if you're running multiple other providers. I think this is an important point. Maybe you could expand on that, David. So, for example, we'll have clients that maybe have Epic as their main inpatient system, and then they'll have a combination of all scripts, Epic, NextGen as outpatient systems. And they'll say, look, I need to know across the entire thing. And these systems don't talk to each other to a deep enough degree today, whether you're using an HIE or not, to be able to extract out and say, what's really happening across my population? Because the population always, in our view, happens one person at a time. Mm -hmm. So if you can't go one person at a time and say, did they get better care, better value, then you're not going to be able to roll that up. So the buzz term of population health, we think, goes one person at a time. Can you discover data about that person and then apply it with rules or best practices to a larger group to be able to drive down the cost of the total group of care? You just said value a minute ago, and we ought to talk about I think one of the interesting moves that the industry is moving is going from fee-for-service to value-for-service, or as I've heard you say, volume to value. Talk about how you're helping an institution achieve that. Yeah, so institutions today, their incentives are often around how much volume do you do? So if you're a physician, can you see three more patients a day and you'll make another $200 that day? 
compared to kind of the old capitation view of if you have a panel of 2,000 patients, what mechanisms could you set up, automated or otherwise, that are scanning through that 2,000 group of patients and trying to look for patterns or things that are predictive as far as their future care or the cost of care? So we're trying to set up systems that are analytic in nature, using computers, what they do best, calculating just different scores on people and saying, you know, you saw 20 people in your office today, but 10 people in the past 24 hours had a ER visit or had a adverse drug event or got a prescription that may not have been one that was prescribed by you. You need to know about that and just be sure that you don't need to make any adjustments to their other plan of care. And have the physicians work through that list at the end of the day or whatever to be sure they're moving, they're managing the health of that whole group with all the information that's available instead of just the information that's available when those people present in front of them. All right. David Sides will return after this quick break. We'll be right back. CTG Health Solutions is proud to have been your trusted advisor for healthcare IT consulting services for over 25 years. In that time, CTG Health Solutions has provided healthcare strategic, technical, and operational consulting support to more than 600 healthcare provider and payer organizations. CTG Health Solutions satisfied clients are supported by some of the most talented healthcare consultants who have chosen CTG Health Solutions as their work home in large part due to the company's outstanding culture. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. CTG Health Solutions was named a Modern Healthcare Best Places to Work company again last year. Find out more about CTG Health Solutions and their world-class culture by liking them on Facebook or stopping by their website at www.ctghs.com. All right, we're back with David Sides, President and CEO of Streamline Health. David, we're always fascinated to learn how companies like yours are really making an impact. But it really is all about me and Todd. So uh, (laughs) I'll tell your recent experience and maybe you can tell us how your system would help a health system. I blew out my knee last fall and my journey through the healthcare system was less than uh, stellar, I would say, despite the fact that I really feel qualified to navigate. It was very hard to navigate and I didn't feel like the physicians that were treating me had the right information at the right time. Tell us how your system helps a health system when someone blows out a knee or any, any kind of malady, really improve the quality of care? It's a good question. Let me give you an example from one of our clients, Montefiore in, in New York. So they looked at our clinical analytics system as one that docs can use. And that's how simple we've kept the system. And I was at Memorial Hermann a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about this, that the goal is for physicians to do their own research and to learn their own knowledge. And they said, you mean get around IT? And I was talking to a group of IT people and I said, well, yeah, exactly. And they said, that sounds great. There'd be nothing better than those guys doing their own work. Lined up and are high-fiving you, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were not trying to keep the keys. They were trying to say, you know, let them discover their own data. And they looked at knee replacement and they found that for people that had any kind of obesity or lack of of movement. I'm not saying you do. (laughs) So this example is not completely uh, for you, but uh, (laughs) they found that if they did three physical therapy sessions before the knee replacement, that they saved a ton of money because the people knew what to expect. They'd already met the physical therapist. They'd gotten some of the exercises done. And after the surgery, they recovered much more quickly, having done a few sessions before the knee replacement than after. In the all about me scenario, the money probably I care less about because mostly my insurer paid, but the key there is you got me better faster. Right. And I'll tell you, had I been through that scenario, 
I would have had a better emotional state rather than being scared of the next step or the unknowing on the next step. So what a great example of how to apply clinical analytics to really improve healthcare overall. Well, research has always been a burden, right? And it sounds like what you do is almost make it real time. Because right. you're pulling from this pool of, of data. I mean, talk about, talk about the, the speed with which a doctor can get that information and how it's accumulated. Right. We make things real time because that way people can learn in real time. So when they're looking at you and they're saying, if I did the three physical therapy sessions, then your range of motion would improve by 30%. 30 days post-surgery because we'd worked on your range of motion beforehand. And it may not be that your knee was totally blown out. It might have had a little residual work and they'd say, okay, here's where we are. Here's where we are afterwards. Here's where we need to get to. And it sets a realistic plan. So one of the ways that we make it real time is by creating the relationships at real time. So we have some cleverness in our software around time and temporal relationships where you don't have to do a date range. You just say, I'm looking for everyone 30 days post. What's their range of motion? And the software will go calculate anywhere that it can find those cohorts, put them together, and then you can ask the next question and it'll give you the next answer based on the data. And so that's where you can be very specific with your physician in that I'm not just giving you general guidelines. I'm giving you, you know, I've got this patient in front of me and if I do these three things, does it get better or worse, better or worse? And then, okay, I'll try the best way because it'll find other people like you. And it may be totally different the way you treat a 25-year-old person with a knee blown out than a 50-year-old person. And Therefore, the physician needs to know those kinds of different data at the real time when they're treating you. One of the things I've been impressed about as I've learned about your company is the breadth of the things you offer. I was, I guess, surprised to find out that you're also involved in computer-assisted coding, clinical documentation improvement. What kinds of things do you do on an analytics standpoint on the coding side of the world? So on the coding side of the world, we're doing some computing things on the documents that we have in our data store on the medical record side. And we're running against that and saying looking for keywords, what other things might you miss that you should have documented or you should have treated at that time. So running the same kind of thoughts on analytics and try to predictive model things on the coding side. So we take a slightly different approach. It's not a very competitive market because 3M kind of has a monopoly in it, but we're trying to break that monopoly by bringing some more interesting computing power and different thoughts to it. You talked uh, top half of the show about how you can work with CERN and uh, all scripts and NextGen and all that. Talk about the implementation of this. So I, I say, all right, uh, David, I want to do this because I want the power of, of your systems. Degree from MIT to make this thing work, walk through the implementation, the training, and uh, onboarding. Yeah, we follow a normal PMP project methodology. So many of our systems are SaaS-based or can be SaaS-based. So that way there's no time wasted on hardware and software install and everything else. Just here's the system, give us your data, we'll load it up and start using it. And we've even talked about doing that as a new way to get to market and say, just start using your data because it never makes sense until you see your own data in context and play with it. And then you think, okay, now I know what we're doing. Try to shorten that implementation timeframe. And as people start to realize what they can do, we do additional training and then send in additional data sources and they're off to the races. So not a long drawn out 12 month, you know, we do this step, this step, this step, but give us your data, we'll put it in and we'll start to innovate with your data together. What's a typical time frame from the time you would get engaged with a customer to the time they really start getting good clinical insights? We try to get some of their base data in within the first 30 to 60 days and, and have them start to manipulate with their data within 90 to 120 days. Fabulous. So you must have examples of how this process works, and 90 days is pretty impressive. Maybe you could give us an example or two. Uh, so one example is a client of ours, Nant Health, whose mission is to cure cancer. So we signed a contract with them about 90 days ago. We 
loaded the system on their database. They want to keep it within house. We started to send in various data sources that they had, whether it was claims data, whether it was clinical data from feeder systems like the Allscripts, CERN, or Epic, as well as any research that they had done on cancer best practices. And they started to try to compare those against each other to see, did their clinical data match some of the research that they had done manually in paper or from medical journals? to see where were they on the spectrum. And they saw wide variations between providers. And that's the first step of either coaching those providers or taking some of those providers, you know, frankly, out of the network. So if they can't coach a provider to get to what they expect from a best practice cancer treatment perspective, they'll remove them from the network. If I heard you correctly, at the very top of the show, uh, you indicated that you have been a keen observer of this healthcare industry for about 25 years-ish. So as the new president and CEO of Streamline Health, talk about what's been the really big changes over those 25 years, and more importantly, what are we going to see in the next three to five years? So the big changes in the past 25 years are just computing power, right? So, I mean, for us, we have our own cloud-based systems, and the things you can do in those systems are incredible. I think in the next three to five years, some of the things you'll see that are interesting are along that same line. So we're starting to experiment in our company with machine-based learning. The physicians are pretty good about guessing and getting to interesting things in their data, uh, but we're going to start running machine-based learning against our data without knowing what's going to happen. You could never do that before. It's so expensive from a resource perspective to run that because it's doing things like a chess game, just running, 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 trying to solve the problem. And that I think will be really interesting because we'll I think, develop new insights from that. And then the second thing I'd mention is the genetic data. So I'm a biophysicist by training from Cal Berkeley, and we used to run those gels at night. So it took overnight to try to break up the different patterns. And now that you see that happening on the whole genome in a day for $1,000 is incredible. And then when you apply machine-based learning to that, I think we'll see some real innovation. When you talk about machine-based learning, you talk about predictive analytics, where we were talking earlier about the access to the data to hasten the research process and to prescribe better care, but where you can discern trends where you can be proactive with your care, which then gets more into the value base of this thing. I mean, is that what you're talking about? Right. So we have some predictive analytics in our software around expected mortality, expected morbidity, severity adjusting, other things, and what, what outcomes might happen. But then you can apply even more sophisticated Monte Carlo simulations and things like that to try to say, okay, I have this data set, run it against and give me the expected probabilities for these people three or five years out and just see how broad the range is and then see if you can narrow the range with different variables applied. I don't know if you guys saw, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal on Go that they had solved two-hand poker. And by solved, they mean they had run through all the trillion combination of plays that can happen. Right. Healthcare will never be solved. It's too big, nor will chess. So in that same article, they said that chess, to solve it, you would have to have the computations necessary are more than the particles in the universe. (laughs) And I thought that was really interesting, right? And so healthcare is so much more complicated than that. We'll never solve it, but we can try to approximate it and use differential equations or other mechanisms to get closer to what the best optimum outcome can be. There's still too many variables to control, right? We're very complicated beings, but you could get to possible better outcomes by running these massive data sets and computing power against them. That's very exciting. I want to make and accentuate a point you're making. You're doing this one patient at a time within the time frame that the physician is documenting what they're doing and making decisions about that patient, which is different from a population health system and different from some of the things that physicians are resisting, saying, I'm never going to get the benefit of a population health system. This is actually giving them information that can treat that patient right then. Right. We really do view population health as happening patient by patient, their care changing, right? 
So it's probably easy to run a thing against a population to say, you should have better medication compliance. Okay, everyone knows that, you know, <laughs> great. What do you do about that? If you're at the same time, the physician's looking at their own data and they see, oh, this person had better medication compliance because I set up the system, send text reminders, et cetera. I should probably do that for this one too. I'll click that button. That's the kind of intervention we want to actually move the whole population one patient at a time. All right. So David, I hate to say it, we're running low on time, but I'm just be sure I'm getting all my facts straight here. A, a biophysicist, you said just a minute ago, had a crew scholarship from Missouri. I didn't know they had water in Missouri. They went to Cal Berkeley. This puzzle isn't really fitting together well. So how did you go from there to the president and CEO of Streamline? Well, I lived on the Mississippi in a small town. So, you know, we got out in canoes and oh, okay. I was close to crew maybe. And from there, ended up at Turner Corporation, ran large parts of that business for 20 years, lived in the UK and London and learned a lot about growing small companies and some of the innovation and agility there. And so I liked the nature and agility of Streamline and ended up being home. So we really like Atlanta and that that all worked out perfectly for us in the end. Well, and lucky for us, uh, we're lucky to have the great work that Streamline's doing and where this is all heading is, is very, very exciting. So appreciate the fine work that you're doing. David, before we let you go, how can people get in touch with you should they have questions and where can they learn more about Streamline Health? Go to our website, streamlinehealth.net or send us an email and we'll happily respond to you. All right. David Sides, the president and chief executive officer of Streamline Health. David, it was a real pleasure. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Joe. All right. Well, that wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, David Sides, my co-host, Joe Lavelle, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare. 